Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, broadcasting to you live from Phoenix Business Radio X studios here in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour or so, we'll be talking all things project management. I want to thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad, where our focus is project management with a purpose. And just wanted to start off the show today talking about the PMI dinner event last evening. Uh, it was another great event. Uh, there was featured speaker Dr. James Brown talked about change management. Uh, great presentation, by the way, for Dr. Brown. Very engaged with the audience, provided great input uh, onto a discussion, and he did it in a real-world way, not an academic talk about change management. So it was very useful to everybody in the room. Uh, so thank you to PMI for that, and Dr. Brown as well for the presentation. And change management, of course, is such a big, important topic within project management. So uh, it was really spot on. And a couple of key takeaways to share with the audience from that. Simple sometimes is better. With change management, we often overcomplicate how we handle change. Uh, and an example he used was dieting, right? When we, when we think about dieting, it's eat less, exercise more. But there's a thousand exercise and diet books out there that we have bought into and created an industry now on how to get into better shape. We've overcomplicated dieting. We've overcomplicated losing weight. And by that, we have bought into it. And organizations do the same thing when it comes to change management. Oftentimes, it's stop doing it the old way, start doing it the new way. They know that, but they want to pay consultants and other organizations to come in with a seven-step, 12-step, 15-step change management process that becomes burdensome and, and oftentimes a challenge to implement. Uh, so thanks again once to, to Dr. Brown and to PMI for putting that on. And remember, simple sometimes is better, especially with change management. Today, I want to introduce our guest. We have Evelyn Cambron with us. Thank you for coming, Evelyn. Thank you. It's nice to be on the show. And what's great about having Evelyn on, obviously, is her background and experience in project management. But as I've mentioned on the show before, the PMO Squad sponsors a Veterans Project Management Mentoring Program, and Evelyn is one of our mentors in there. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that here as the show progresses. But I did want to get some information out to our listeners on the mentoring program. The program started in January of this year, so it's really only been around for about five months the progress we've made, though, I think has been pretty astounding. We've completed our first mentoring wave. They last for a quarter, so we have one complete, one is in progress. We've enrolled 39 veterans from across the country. We have 28 mentors signed up and 50% mentor reenlistment wave uh, from wave two to wave one. So there's value in it, not just for the veterans, but the mentors are getting personal value as well. 25 states are represented in the program. Three countries are represented, and we've had two veterans accept full-time positions after coming through our mentoring program. So in just four short months, I think we've really made an impact. Uh, and people are taking notice. Just recently, uh, the, the other two organizations that are involved in the program are Veterans to Work and Vets to PM, uh, two veterans organizations uh, that are partners with us, and the presidents of our three organizations, myself, Eric Wright and 
John Reynolds were interviewed recently uh, by a radio station up in Washington, D.C. to talk about our program and how we're benefiting veterans. So that uh, was recorded and will be available shortly. So we'll have a link out to that uh, for everyone to be able to get that interview. So I just want to introduce again, Evelyn, once again, and thank her for being a mentor in our program and ask for her input as to what are some of the benefits that she's seeing or experiences you're having in our mentoring program. Perfect. Thank you, Joe. Um, I can tell you that I am really excited to be a part of the program. I, over the years in my professional life, have mentored many project managers. So it's really exciting that I get to give back and help one of our veterans who I totally respect. The program has been fantastic. I was paired with um, a local veteran. And one of the first things that I worked on with him was to take his resume and do some refinement. So I call it resume refinement because you want to be able to have certain line items on there that a HR professional or a hiring leader are going to notice that you have those skills. You're not going to get hired for a PM position if you don't have them. So making sure that they're on there is extremely important. Um, I like to take a look at the, at the person's resume. So in this in this instance, uh, my veteran, Jeremy, and um, he made some additions and some changes and it looks fantastic now. The other thing that I like to do um, as a mentor is really help people feel comfortable during an interview process, right? It's, it's, it's scary. <laughs> Everybody gets nervous in an interview. But if you're prepared, I think that you have such a higher chance of getting the job, obviously, and kind of walking out of there feeling like you just yourself, like you feel like you did a good job. And every time you interview, you get better and better and better. So what I like to do is sit down and do a mock interview, right? I, I call idea. him up. Yeah, yeah, I call him up. And, um, you know, we don't talk beforehand. It's, you know, this is like a real interview. I asked, um, I asked my mentor or my mentee the same exact questions that I would ask a PM in an interview. And I jot down, you know, his answers. And then at the same time, any kind of comments or changes that I think the person will need to make. We did last week, we got together and over the phone, I gave him a mock interview. It was fantastic because there were some definite things that needed to be changed. And he actually said, oh, wow, yeah, I see that. And he was able to do that. He had an interview the next day, which was great. Oh, perfect timing. Yes, perfect timing. And he was able to, you know, feel confident. And he told me that it made him feel a lot more confident. So I suggest for anyone out there, even if you have a friend, right, or a coworker, do a mock interview, right? It doesn't take that long. And I think when you practice, you get better, right? Sure. And you maybe feel a little more comfortable and not so nervous when you're in an interview situation. So for me, that's where we're at. I'm so excited for him because, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he gets his, the job, you know, that he really wants and um, he can, you know, move forward as a, in a project management role. And that's the, I would say, um, the majority of our veterans ask for help with those two things, Okay. right? How do my, how does my resume look coming from a military career yes. into the civilian world? How do I translate that experience? And then also I, you know, they didn't have to necessarily interview for a job in the military, right? They were assigned to their, uh, their specific assignments. So they, they want that experience. And, and what we do is we ask the veterans and the mentors to fill out their objectives. Right. So when they go into the program, they're not just blindly talking, right? They actually are trying to accomplish something. So it's great to see that you and Jeremy have made that progress. 
how about other mentoring? Are there other mentoring you had mentioned you've done that in the past? Is there any other mentoring items that you want to share with our listeners? Um, sure. So within the corporate environment at IBM and at American Express, I was fortunate enough to be able to mentor some junior PMs and business systems analysts within the company. Um, and they, they would come to me and I absolutely said, you know what, let me help you. So one of the first things that I would do with them is to really find out what they want to do, right? Um, you know, you're not going to get from point a, to, point a to point B if you don't have a plan or a goal. So I wanted to, you know, I would ask, what is your goal? What, what are you wanting to get out of this? Because as a mentor, you know, just willy-nilly giving my information doesn't help the individual unless you really understand what their needs are. So I would, you know, sit down and talk to them about their needs and then formulate a plan, right? These are the things you need to work on. If they need to take classes, you can take, you know, additional education um, classes to help obtain skills, right? We see that, you know, maybe someone doesn't understand, um, you know, agile, very much as a project methodology and they want to be a scrum master, well, there's classes they can take, right? Um, and, you know, really taking a look at how they can better themselves. So um, I've had uh, every single one of my um, mentees within both companies moved on to better positions. So I'm, you know, really excited for them because I, you know, I've been able to see their career soar. So that makes me feel good. If I can take my experience and everything I've been through, um, especially as a leader, and really try to help them move on to the next level, then, hey, my job is done. Yeah, that's great success. We're very fortunate, obviously, to have you in our Veterans Project Management Program. So thank you again for that. Not a problem. I know back in Atlanta, the PMI chapter there has a uh, mentoring program that the, the chapter sponsors, and I had the good fortune to be paired uh, with a couple of mentees as well and did some mentoring. And we did the same role play that you had mentioned in the past. He was a junior business analyst looking to move into the project space, but he just had never been in the situations where he might be asked specific project questions, right? What a project manager's questions are often very different than what they a business are. analyst would have. Very, very different, yes. So we would just role play, you know, we'd go out to dinner and we'd role play and during dinner on what questions an executive might ask, how a customer may approach them, how to handle risks or issues or status that may be negative and, and not shy away from it, but run towards it. So it's great to hear another mentor out there using similar techniques. Yes. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I think it's important to give back. So if, you know, if I can take what I've learned and help someone else, then that's great. How about I start first? So... You know, we all have had mentors, right? So I'm a mentor. I've had other mentors. And I think that it's very, very important to um, really explore trying to better yourself. That's just something, you know, that's important to me. And over the years, I've had several mentors. So I'm not going to talk about all of them. Um, but I'd like to talk about maybe the most recent person who I'm really looking up to sure. and who I think is really, you know, a game changer in, in Arizona right now. And her name is Olenka Cullinan. And if you go to www.istartfirst.com, she has a Boss Babes Boot Camp, which is really, really neat. Um, what it does is it transforms your business and your mindset. And, you know, I've, I've gotten to know Olenka. I've been to a few of her events. And I don't know if you've heard of her. I see you smiling over there. Um, 
Yeah, she's fantastic. And, you know, she's really somebody you need to look out for. And, and you know, she has a book called Passionistas, but she is actually doing a boot camp on June 1st. And I wanted to bring it up to everybody here because I'm going to be there. And, you know, if anybody really wants to learn and meet some fantastic people and some great women, go. And she has a special for 167. You know, you can actually go and spend time with these people and it's, you know, learn a lot. So I'd like to mention her. And where, so it's June 1st. Where, what do you have the location on that? Um, you can go to the website. I don't have the exact location in front of me, but if you go to www.istartfirst.com, you can find out more information. Olenka has her own website. She's a speaker as well. So she travels around and she's olenkacullinan.com, which is O L E N K A. And her last name is C U L L I N A N. So you can go to her website and find out more about her and see all the great things that she's doing as well. Yeah, it's great to hear of other leaders in the local community that are really helping people, right? I'm fairly new to Phoenix myself, so I've been involved in some organizations where I've had some of that mentoring and, and guidance as well. Some of the input has been the the mindset in Phoenix used to be it's all about me, and they have started to see a change over the past few years about how can we help each other. Mm-hmm. Kind of the rising tide lifts all boats mentality. So it's great to hear about Olenka, what she's doing and how you're involved in that. So I certainly uh, appreciate that. I've met well. some wonderful people and made some fantastic connections. And I think that networking is so critical in our in the project management world and in everything, really. So, you know, to be able to have that connection and meet some successful people who want to share, you know, their knowledge, I think is is just so much fun. So speaking of networking and sharing, I just wanted to mention to all the listeners out there uh, that if you have a question or a comment for us, you can go out to Twitter and use hashtag PMO Joe. We're monitoring Twitter here. So if you have anything for Evelyn or myself and you want to ask it, ask it. We'll check our Twitter accounts and we will get to that live on air. That's always fun. So you had mentioned a couple of different times, I think, uh, giving back. And that's important to uh, the PMO squad as well. We, we like to brand ourselves as project management with a purpose uh, and giving back to the community, such as our mentoring program as part of that. What does that mean to you and, and how are you doing that? Uh, well, giving back has been a part of my life since I was a child. And, you know, it's something that my parents instilled in me and something that I work with my children on as well. And so with that said, I'm thrilled to announce that I have been asked to be on the board of a 5013C called Candle Wishes. Congratulations. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Dr. Christy Morgan is the um, executive director for Arizona. Uh, Candle Wishes, um, let me explain it. It's a nonprofit that fulfills birthday wishes and provides needs for underprivileged children. So, you know, think about being a child. Maybe you're in a homeless shelter or you're, you know, you're really in a community that, you know, your family is, is trying to make ends meet, but they cannot provide you a birthday party. We're going to do that. <laughs> so we're going to have um, work with different churches or other, um, you know, businesses that would provide their space for us. And then we'll have children come in and we'll have presents for them and games and fun. I know Christy just bought this huge bounce house. Um, so, and what's really neat is, is if you're interested in sponsoring a child, 
or you're interested in sponsoring an entire party, we would love to have you. You know, it's just such a great thing to be able to put a smile on a child's face and have them get to celebrate their birthdays and to have presents to open. And some of these kids, you know, they they may not have a lot. And, you know, I think I can't wait (laughs) to be able to see the smiles on their faces and to be able to make a difference. So we are brand new. You can go to the Candle Wishes Foundation Facebook page. That's one place you can find it or go to candlewishes.org. And that is the website. Um, we are, we ha- we're about to start planning our first party. So if you want to get in involved on the first, you know, with the first one, please let us know. Um, and we would love to be able to have you sponsor. So, um, or if you know any organizations that have children that you think would be, you know, you think this, Hey, I know this group. I know these kids, they, they would really benefit from this. We want to hear about that too. Because we're looking in the community to outreach, like we want to look at you, mom, and you know different organizations to really help help those kids. You know, get them need some presents and some clothes, and you know, just make their day. What would be great also is let, let's stay in touch on this, and as you continue to have successes, I'd like to talk about them on air, so Thank to you. help rate keep that going, keep your momentum going, and if you've got the first one coming up soon, just send me over a note, and we'll talk about that, and let other Perfect. people. And I believe Candlewish has started in Tennessee, right? So this isn't just a brand new charity that's here in Phoenix. It is not. So Candle Wishes was started in, in Nashville, Tennessee. Christy actually met the director who started the Candle Wishes organization, the foundation. And really, she, she thought, wow, this is something that I want to get involved in. And, you know, Christy's just, she's a great woman. And they worked together and said, let's bring it to Arizona. And so um, it's kind of exciting. We'll be the second state that it's available in. And, um, you know, I, I, for me, I just can't wait for the first party. I, that's what is going to just melt my heart to see these kids, you know, get to have some fun. So. And as project managers, obviously, understanding and relating with others is such a big part of what we do. So to see the passion, right, and uh, the desire yeah. that you have for this charity to succeed is great. And how do, you, how do you bring those two together, right? How is being a project management professional, an expert in your field, <laughs> come into play within your charity? So um, I text Christy constantly. <laughs> like we need to, you know, I have all these tasks in my head that need to happen and I'm documenting them. And, you know, I, my project management hat has come on. And so she's kind of getting used to that. And then we're using app to, to manage all of our tasks right now. So that's kind of neat, which I'm used to using Microsoft Project and I have a project plan and that's how I manage everything. But she's found this app that, you know, it's it's actually kind of neat. I'll uh, I can probably mention it. It's called Asana A S A N A, and you can assign your own tasks. You can assign tasks to other folks, and it's simple. It's easy, and that's what I'm using right now. So, yeah. And last week we had, or two weeks ago at the last show, we had Dana DiGirolami from the PMO Squad on, who's our uh, senior vice president of technology, and she's focused on project management software. And we had a part of that discussion. Uh, was around choosing the right software for your organization, right? And a tool like Asana is great for a smaller charity to use and not have an expense to go out there and get a uh, software application that's going to do way more than you need, right. right? So it's great to see that you're using technology as well. We are, and I'm I'm absolutely thrilled about that. So, yes. Yeah, I know, again, going back to 
some charity work that we've done as well. I had, there was a group called Destiny's Daughters of Promise back in Atlanta where I did some mentoring and worked with them to be able to help middle-aged school girls know that there's a broader path or a brighter path rather that they could follow maybe than the one that they've been surrounded with at home and try to let them know that owning a business has a potential and it may be starting out making cookies or baking pies or sewing something that they would sell in their neighborhood or to their family. But then that can lead to the next entrepreneurial endeavor and then to the next entrepreneurial endeavor. So again, for me, I applaud you and the work that you're doing with your organizations to help others. And I think within the project management community, I, I think it's really just part of who we are yes. <laughs> because we're constantly trying to help others be successful. That's really the role of the project manager. Absolutely. We, we, have, we have so many groups or people we work with as a PM. And, you know, our goal is to have each of those be successful. So absolutely. And any kind of, you know, in anything we do, I think as a project manager, we, we try to, we project manage everything. I think, you know, if you're moving a house, you project manage that. If you're going on vacation, you project manage that. So I, I think for me, I, I notice it, it creeps up in my life <laughs> pretty frequently. So part of that, right, is you're, you're giving best practice knowledge to the charity, right? And some of it is the tasks and all that. What is it in your experiences that you found are truly some of the key best practices that should be employed by all different project managers, regardless of industry or regardless of size project? Perfect. Yes. I, well, there are two things that are extremely important to me. And, you know, one is um, regarding risks and issues documentation. So as project managers, you know, we, we have a, a timeline that we're trying to meet. We're also trying to stay, we want to be under budget. We don't want to be over. Sometimes things will creep up, problems arise, and it's, it's, it happens. I don't think any project manager will have a perfect project. So um, what our job is, though, is to help mitigate any product problems, right? Bring the project back on track. And one of the things that I noticed in my career is that a lot of PMs are afraid to document their risks and issues. They think that, uh-oh, it looks like I'm not doing my job. Oh, it looks like my project's in trouble. And, you know, as humans, we want to feel good and we want to look good and we like things to be on track. But sometimes they aren't and we have to own up to it. Um, I will tell you that as a leader, and then as well as, you know, if you think about senior leaderships, like VPs, they don't want surprises, <laughs> right? And you have to also know that if you think those VPs and senior leaders, they're talking about the project, they have that date in their head as well. So if it slips and they weren't maybe notified, they're going to get upset, right? The people who's work who are working on the project are going to get upset. What is extremely important and critical to do is to make sure you document any and all risks and issues. And along with that, make sure you put together a mitigation plan, right? So how am I going to bring this project back on track? Also, the leaders get to see that. They get to say, see, oh, well, we have a problem, but <laughs> this is the plan of action. This is only going to cause this delay. Or if we do this, we're not going to have a delay. It is just, I think, extremely critical to the success of any project. And, you know, but over the years, I've seen people who are afraid, right? They're just, they don't want to look bad. And, and I, what I tell and my advice is you'll look better if you do this. Yeah, I mean, the, the ultimate role of the project manager is to show command and control mm -hmm. of the project. 
And that doesn't mean it's all good news. Exactly. Right? So right. We, we have to have control. Otherwise, we lose the accountability factor and the trust of our leaders. Absolutely. You know, uh, going back to my opening comments on Dr. Brown's speech or speak uh, engagement last night with PMI, he had talked about a, a couple of different things I think fit into here. One was you never want to give a leader bad news for the first time in a public meeting. Absolutely right? not. And risks and issues are a great way to do that, right? If you identify something that, that requires their attention, you can bring that to them either before the meeting or well in advance of the meeting, ideally, mm-hmm. to get their input because they may have the mitigation strategy you talked about, maybe yes. them giving you the solution or, or at least clearing a roadblock to help you get through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I think that's a great tie back into that. How, how do you document those, right? So you mentioned we should document those risks and issues. How, how would you propose we do that? Well, what I do is I actually create a risk and management log. <laughs> and what that is, is it shows, um, you know, name of the risk, a, a brief explanation about what the risk is, mitigation status or mitigation plan. So what are you going to do? What am I going to do, right, to resolve it? And then you need to have dates. That's extremely important. As a project manager, we are all very date focused for timeline. That's, you know, that's our thing. So you need to, you know, this is the date that we've opened the risk. And then you want to have a, you know, potential close date. So this is, you know, you want to make sure that you've got this completed by this date. That way you can keep track of it. And then any tasks that are associated with that risk should then be added to the project plan so that you can manage them. And then I always like to have a comment section. Because, you know, you're in, on conference calls and you're in meetings and maybe someone is talking about, you know, that particular risk, you can go in and pop, you know, just a few lines of comments just to keep, you know, an open communication about what's happening. And it's something that is shared within your project team. So it's something that you can take little pieces and put into a presentation deck, right? It's, it, I mean, you can utilize that for your entire project. And then um, I have an open and close. So I would, you know, check mark it off as a closed when it's done. And, um, you know, it's just a quick and easy way. You can do it in anything. You know, you can do it in Excel. You can, you know, how, whatever you like to use as your tool, you know, it's just, it makes it easy. And, and it's something you can, it's a working document, right? Absolutely. Uh-huh. And another uh, question that Dr. Brown asked the audience last night was, um, and this is where the interaction with the audience came in great. He had said, do you think project management is 80% art and 20% science or 80% science and 20% art? Hmm. And the, the majority, and I, I tend to agree with this one as well, is it's 80% art and 20% science. So how that fits in is you're talking about your raid log and managing risks and issues. And I think that's the 20% science. You mm-hmm. absolutely have to do that. The how you go about doing that becomes the art, right? right? And this is where project management is very complicated, but not hard. And we try to overcomplicate things and make them harder than they need to be. Not everybody can be a project manager mm-hmm. because it's art. Everybody can solve a math problem because it's science. Correct. And project management isn't done that way. So for an example here, you mentioned your, your risk log. I like to use a, I call it a RAID log. And in that, we capture risks and issues. That's the R and the I. Mm -hmm. But we also capture uh, actions or assumptions, the A, and decisions, the D. So we're capturing multiple things. This is where we're both accomplishing the same thing. We are. 
but we're doing it in a slightly different way because artists paint with a different brush and different colors. But the ultimate goal is to be able to paint a successful project. Absolutely. So I enjoy hearing, again, another professional share some of that experience with us about that. Uh, how about other best practices and, and what you work with uh, in your toolbox uh, across your 20 or so years of experience <laughs> within project management? Well, this is a topic that I think a lot of PMs will resonate. This will resonate with them. Um, you know, in technologies, especially, we work in a virtual world, right? We have coworkers in all different states and all different countries. A lot of us are, you know, we're on conference calls all day. And, you know, I've, I've had the uh, pleasure of being able to work virtually 17 of my 20 years of my career. So I'm very well-versed and experienced in working in this capacity. I absolutely love it. Um, and I will tell you that there are definite best practices that really working in that environment people should think about. Um, one of them is, you know, if you think you're in your house, <laughs> you're on conference calls, sometimes back-to-back, you're communicating with people via IM, right? That's our main tool that we use. And, it, you know, instead of calling somebody on the phone, a lot of us, what do we do? Well, I am someone. So maybe you have a meeting that got done early or you have a, some free time. And, but instead of calling that person, you'll go and I am, right? Well, what that does is, is it really keeps you separated. You're not having that, that one-on-one communication live, talking to someone. Now, if you work in an office environment, you're seeing people every day. You're potentially going to lunch with them. You're, you know, chit-chatting in between meetings. You know about their family. You know, you know, you really get to know people. The benefit of that, right, is having those relationships. It's also important if you're looking to get promoted, right? You, you're forming relationships that are professional. But when you're working from home, you're isolated. And a lot of us love it, but there's, you know, if you sit there and isolate yourself, you don't call people, you don't get to know folks, you just live in your virtual world, um, a lot of things happen. One, I've seen um, folks just, they can't take it. They just feel too isolated and they, it, it, it becomes difficult for them. Two, um, you know, they're not getting anywhere with their career, right? They're really out, you know, of, sight, out, of, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And so what I do and what I've, you know, any of my employees I've told them to do is pick up the phone and call, right? You can IM them and say, hey, do you have 15 minutes to talk, right? I think that's appropriate. Ask about their day. Ask about their family. Talk to them in the beginning because you do that in an office environment, right? Yeah. Why can't you do it on the phone? You know, get to know that person and then talk about your topic. So I think that's really important, you know, or if you, you have a couple minutes and you want to call your leader, right? Call them up and say, hey, do you have some time to talk? We get so busy <laughs> is the other thing. And, and we just want to get our work done and, and, and move on. But it can isolate you. So I think when you're trying to get promoted as well, reach out to the senior leader. Say, hey, do you have a few minutes to talk, right? If you're, you know, you have a VP, you have a relationship, but you want to maybe get to know them a little bit more and talk to them instead of, hiding behind email and I am. So that's one of the things that, um, you know, I think is really critical when you're working in that environment because you don't want to be out of sight, out of mind. So how, what are some traps that people can fall into, right? Because obviously there's a, the world is flat, right? Mm -hmm. Thomas Friedman's book out and and we interact now offshoring uh, development and quality assurance and customer service and project managers, of course, deal with all of those. What's some of the traps, again, that you've seen over the 17 years that you've been doing this that maybe folks can 
avoid based on some of your input? For working virtually? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just focusing on electronic versus human communication. So that's number one. Um, Number two, really not joining, right? So a lot of times when you work virtually, there are groups that you can be a part of. And I think if you kind of step out of your box and join some groups, I think that would be really important. Even within your company, you know, there's lunch and learns and things like that. I think that's a good way to network yourself, right? Getting involved in things outside of work with different communities. Like you mentioned the the PMI um, dinner, right? Um, I think that's a really good way. But I think the biggest trap is, is, you know, we're so busy, right? And, And I know as a project manager, you know, we don't work 40 hours a week. I mean, I never did. So, you know, my job is, you know, I just want to get things done, get through these meetings, make sure everything's on track. And we get in our head, right? We, 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 that's all we think about. And we sometimes maybe don't think about how do we form those relationships? So I think my biggest takeaway or for anybody listening, your takeaway is if you work virtually, kind of change your mindset a little bit and think about these things, right? Think about, hey, am I really just, you know, this silo or am I getting out there? And if I am, if I'm not, how do I do that, right? So just start with the phone, you know? We, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, we've had phones around for a long time. So, yeah. you know, when you're on a conference call, it's kind of difficult to have that one-on-one communication. So take advantage, right, of those times that you have down to have that communication, so... And I think we've all probably seen the YouTube video of the conference call gone bad. Right? <laughs> that is so accurate. It's, it's hilarious. It's it's real world. And that's why we all laugh at it, right? So to yeah. try to make those connections on the conference call, you like can't. you said, it's just, it's not good. It's not good. But you've had great success, right? You've, you've had some personal recognition. And, and you want to share that with us? Because obviously that's been remote. You've been in a virtual role while you accomplished that. I did. And I will tell you, so my very first virtual role and accomplishment um, was, so I started IBM when I was 22 years old. They moved me to Atlanta. I was offered the job and I had six days to get there. So a moving truck truck showed up and packed my apartment. You know, I was like, wait, I don't have to pack. (laughs) Um, They packed my apartment and I hopped on a plane and showed up at IBM in Atlanta and started my career. And it was fantastic. Once I started in marketing, which is kind of (laughs) interesting. And I I absolutely loved it. However, uh, two years in, I, I wasn't too thrilled about Atlanta. I wanted to come back to Arizona. So I took a virtual position and they said, you, you can live anywhere. So I came back to my home state and um, had a great position. And while I was there, I received a phone call from one of my previous leaders who said, I am taking over IBM Latin America sales operations. Come work for me. Right. It's always great to have somebody reach out to you and of say, course. I want you to work yeah, for me. That's the best. <laughs> yes. And so he was in charge of um, several locations in Latin America, uh, Mexico City, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Buenos Aires, Argentina, um, and Bogota, Colombia. And so right then, I am now responsible for working with folks in all of those countries. <laughs> and um, it was great. What I what my first role was and how I got into technology and how this is kind of the pivotal moment for me is I noticed that they were so far behind where the U.S. was back then, right? With with how they managed any of their leads, any of their sales activities, you know, everything was just on paper and pen. You know, it was it was antiquated. And so what I was responsible for was 
transforming it. I hired technology staff. I got a developer. I brought it from, you know, in country and I formulated a team to really go in and take all of it and create all new. So, you know, online, customizable, definable, repeatable reporting and, you know, all kinds of things that they just went, whoa, wow. Well, what that did was it uncovered $19 million in revenue, missed revenue opportunity. That's great. Yes. And so one day I receive a package in the mail (laughs) and it's a letter and an award from the CEO of IBM who was Lou Gerstner at the time. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then I was mentioned in their publication, like back then I had like an online newsletter and I was recognized and, you know, to be, I think I was was 24 at the time. So to be 24 years old and be recognized by the CEO of the company was such an accomplishment. And I put my heart and soul into that. But what it did at the end was I saw, wow, look what I created. Look what this team created. I love this. I love this more than marketing. And then I just took it from there. And so every position from then on was I went into project management. So I had the success of that one project that helped catapult me into a world that I fell in love with. So that was my first award. I've had several. (laughs) So my job, when I go there, I don't want to just do my job. I want to see what I can do to improve things. What can I do to make things better? How can I improve the processes? How can I, you know, and that's just how my mind works. So um, when I was at American Express, I was a portfolio manager and I was responsible for two VP portfolios of about $30 million in technology projects. So I, you know, would have meetings with the directors and say, hey, looking at these projects, you need to keep an eye on this, talk to this PM. I'd have PMs come to me for advice. I need help. You know, I'm making sure that their finances look good. I'm making sure that they're following the SDLC process. I'm making sure that, you know, the compliance is there. And one of the things that was really bugging the PMs was they were constantly being asked for status reports. So VPA wants a status report that has this in it. VPB wants something looks like this. C wants something different. So the directors are mad. The PMs were stressing out because they're supposed to be running their projects and running their teams. And they're sitting there creating all these different status reports. So I said, you know what? This is ridiculous. I scheduled a meeting with all of the senior vice presidents and said, I would like to create one status reporting package because you want to see these top, top projects in the company, right? They want to see the most visible ones and they're keeping their eyes on it. And that's why they're asking for all of this. So I said, let's put our heads together and let's say, what do you want? What do you want to see? I documented all of it. Then I took all of that information and I created a status report that had everything in it. So there was one page that a, a PM could fill out. Very simple, right? I then had it created so that there's a view for VPs. There's a view for directors because guess what? Senior leaders don't want to see the same things that maybe the directors do. And that's, you have to think about your audience, right? Absolutely. And um, so I was able to have, you know, two different versions of it so that everybody would get to see what they want. I created it from scratch. I scheduled another meeting with them. I showed it to them and they were amazing. So like, yes, a few of them had some changes they wanted to make. Of course, we did some tweaking. And um, once everybody was fine with it, I, I went into PowerPoint and created a whole training module and I rolled it out within all of corporate card payments at American Express. Yeah. Um, 
everybody loved it so much so that the travel side of the house got wind of it and saw it and said, we want this too. So then I created it for them and, you know, found somebody who was going to kind of take it over since I didn't work in that area. And the funny story is a couple of years later, somebody sent me their project. I was in a different team. Mm -hmm. They sent me their status report. And I said, I created that original version. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it was, you know, wow, it's sitting around here. Two years later, they're still using something that I created. And I, I was given an award for that as well. And, you know, I basically took something that was painting everyone, right, in the project management community in, our, in the company and said, all right, let's fix this. So that's a highlight for me because I, I made, you know, a difference in all of their time as well. So... Yeah, I love, you know, usually we have two guests on the show and, and we talk about obviously project management topics, but it sometimes doesn't allow us enough time to dig into some of the details and having you as our only guest today, we get to know you a little bit better Thank you. and some of your accomplishments, but also learn a little bit more about project management and some tips and techniques and tools. Uh, so I'm really enjoying that. So again, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. It's fun to talk about. And then going back to the virtual, I, you know, as I was thinking here, listening to you, one tip that I've always used uh, when I've been in a virtual situation is you don't have rush hour, right? While you're, right. you're, you're there, the commute isn't there, whether it's a half an hour, an hour, of course, wherever you're living in Atlanta might have been longer. I would always find a way to take that rush hour time and find something to do every day during that period. So it may be reading a book. Mm -hmm. It may be reaching out to somebody in the office. Um, it may be talking to executives, but I would try to take that time that others lost because they were in a car right? and use that to my advantage to be productive during that time. And that would give you a half an hour to an hour every day to be able to accomplish something that others were really not able to do. Absolutely. I'm all for that. Another thing that I think is really important as well is, you know, we get stuck in our offices. And a lot of times, you know, we won't take time for ourselves, especially when you work from home. You know, people think, oh, you work from home. I will tell you, I get so much more done working from home. I would be in my, in my home office. And sometimes, you know, I wouldn't come out for several hours. What I learned, and I learned the very beginning of my career, that's how I was, was that, you know what, you need to have time for yourself. So I would make sure I blocked my calendar from 12 to 1. Because I wanted to make sure I had that hour, that lunchtime. Even I may not use all of it. And a lot of times I didn't use all of it. And I would shut the door to my office. And I'd come out, I'd have lunch, and I wouldn't go back in. You know, you have to really take care of yourself as well. And that's so just for what you said, I completely agree. You know, using that time that you would normally be commuting to maybe, you know, do some of the things that you normally couldn't do, I think is perfect. But really also taking care of yourself, you know, shut that door, right? Because I think it's hard to not, or I mean, how many of us, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners um, have experienced this, you know, before you go to bed, where do you go? I would go in my office and just check my email one last time. And sometimes I'd sit there for an hour and now it's one in the morning. I mean, for the... Been <laughs> there, done that. You, you know, that's just kind of how it is. And so one of the things that I have always struggled with, because I'm not perfect, nobody is, right? Is not, don't go do that, right? Just go to bed. Don't go in there and check your email one last time or go, you know, do something else because then you're taking away from your own time. So when you have a home office, I think it's absolutely critical to separate yourself a little bit. That makes sense. Good mm -hmm. advice. We talked a little bit about best practices, right? When the risk and issue log, 
you know, obviously with the experience you have, you've probably encountered some bad practices as well, right? Is, yes. is, is there anything you can think of that stuff to avoid, right? Obviously, we want to gravitate towards the good, but we should also try to have knowledge and one eye out as to what could be bad that we want to try to keep away from. Absolutely. So, you know, I really think it's important to have a project plan, you know, which is shocking. I've seen, I've gone onto teams or gone onto projects where the PMs aren't using one. And I think that is not smart. I think it's a bad practice to have because how are you going to effectively track each of the tasks for your project, especially if you're talking multi-million dollars, right? Sure. Um, or longer projects. It's, it's absolutely critical to have a plan. So one of the things that, you know, really bothers me if I've walked into an organization and they, they just are not using it, right? They're, they're taking meeting minutes and passing those back and forth or they've created something kind of in Excel that looks like a project plan. And, you know, they're wondering why they're failing, right? Guess what? You need to have a plan. Now, the other thing a lot of habits, bad habits people have is they have may have a plan, but they don't share it. <laughs> and I've seen that. And that is absolutely crazy to me. I think it's really critical that you are communicating, right? You are updating your plan on a regular basis. You are sending it out on a regular basis because, you know, the people who are working with you on your project, they're in there. Their names are listed and they need you to help guide them. So just going over it once a week on a call, I don't think is enough. I think it needs to be a working document that is communicated and traveled back and forth where folks can, you know, you can make sure that nothing is missed because what I noticed as well is that's how tasks get missed. That's how problems arise, right? If you're not really adequately keeping your eye on the project. So I think that is, you know, for me in my world, that's one of the first things I look for, right? You know, is, is what's your plan? And then use it consistently. Absolutely. Right. That, that's another thing we run into is I'll go to a client site and ask for a plan and they may have one, but it may not have been updated for three or four weeks. Right. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Or then you talk with the resources on the project team and, and they'll say, well, I haven't gotten an updated schedule. I don't know my mm-hmm. tasks. Uh, or we haven't met this week. Everybody had a, a reason why we couldn't meet this week. But I would say, well, why doesn't everybody have a reason that you did meet this week? Absolutely. Right. So it's great to hear some of those tips and tricks and, and pitfalls to try to avoid. I think they're really important. Absolutely. So we're kind of wrapping up on our time here. And I want to make sure that we give you a chance to circle back and touch on all of the different pieces that you had talked about earlier, uh, whether it's the uh, I start first or candle wishes. If you can give our listeners just a recap of some of those uh, critical websites or information that they can go to learn more about that sure. and, and yourself as well to learn more about you, uh, how can they do that? Sure. So um, I do have a LinkedIn account. Um, it's Evelyn Cambron, E V A L Y N E. And my last name is C A M. B as in boy, R-O-N as in Nancy. So you can connect with me there. I'd love to have some new folks added. Um, and then I, uh, for candle wishes, so I'm, you know, I'm really excited about it. So if you are, you know, a company and you want to sponsor one of our parties or any individuals who want to sponsor a child, please, please, please reach out. You can reach me on LinkedIn or you can go to Candle Wishes Foundation. Um, they have a Facebook page or candlewishes.org. And, you know, join me. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I do know we're planning a fundraiser 
So that I don't have any of the details. So I didn't bring it up earlier, but I will tell you, we are planning a party, like a fundraising gala party where we're going to have an MC and, you know, we're going to really, you know, look to, um, you know, anybody who wants to come and join us and have some fun and help raise money for a good cause, you know, please come. Well, I'll let an, Joe know. That's, I was going to say, that's another one that you can share with me and I'll yeah. gladly share on our audience uh, with our audience as well. Fantastic. And then, you know, for me, you know, I'm the type of person that I don't think everybody's perfect. I think we all can learn from one another. I think we're, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. So I love to read. I love to learn from people who paved the way before me. I feel that that's how I've been successful. So for me, you know, when I met Olenka Cullinan, you know, she is just somebody who you know, she just really wants to help others. You know, she, she has rising tycoons. I don't know if you're aware of that, but she helps. Um, she, she went to India <laughs> and taught a whole bunch of students, you know, teenagers, you know, how to own your own business, how to be in the business community, how, you know, all of these things that, you know, we learn when we're older, right? She likes to go and, you know, teach these teenagers. And so she does things locally as well. Um, but the I Start First uh, Boss Babes Boot Camp, I'm for June 1st, I'm so excited. I attended her last boot camp. I met some fantastic people, made some great business connections and networking connections. And I learned so much. So for me, you know, that's a huge success. So if you're interested, check out the I Start First site check out Olenka Cullinan's website. And um, I'd love to see you guys June 1st. I will be there. So, um, you know, it's great. And for me right now, you know, I'm just, I'm a consultant. So, you know, I'm, I've kind of went from working for companies as an employee to taking all of my experience because that's, that was my ultimate goal. I wanted to, you know, gain my experience and make some, you know, great accomplishments at these companies. But then, you know, when I was ready, consult really, and, and go in and, say, and and make changes. You know, if somebody's got some problems, I want to come in and say, guess what? This is what we can do to fix it. This is how we get your, your PMO on track. This is, you know, this is what we can do. And that's what's fun for me as a person. So, you know, I love going into companies and making a difference. And so that's what I do now. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Evelyn, for being on the show. I really appreciate you coming in today. Well, thank you. And then, of course, thank you for being in our veterans project management mentoring program as a mentor. That's, that's so important to what we do and to have other leaders like you participate is so important. Well, you know, thank you for that. I really appreciate it because, you know, it's, I, I think, you know, these are our heroes, right? And I, I think it's really important that we support them. And I think project management is a fantastic career choice for veterans. I mean, I really do. I'm so incredibly impressed with my mentee. And I think it's, you know, absolutely fun. So if there's any PMs out there who, you know, you, you have some time and you want to give back, reach out to Joe and this program, because I will tell you, it's absolutely a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's, I've met a great person and I'm sure we're going to stay connected throughout our lives. And I'm just so excited for what the future brings for him. So it'll be fun. Yeah. And you can learn more about that program by going to uh, squad.com. We have a link on the page for veterans mentoring. Uh, in addition to just our program, we also have a useful resources page there for veterans, for other. Um, links to uh, whether it be job search activities or other organizations that help veterans unrelated to project management, right? We're trying to give back to the veterans as we can. And the Vets to PM group put that link list together for us. 
So we have that out there on a useful resources page. Uh, so if you're a veteran and you're interested in transitioning into a career in civilian project management, I think we can be of help to you. I believe Vets to PM can be of help of you and veterans to work as well. And the three of us together with our mentoring program, we want to be as much of help as we can. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I just want to say thank you for, you know, accepting me to be a part of this program. Um, I know a few people that I've talked to about it who want to also join. So... Which have them sign up. We'd love I'm, to have them. You know what? I'm so excited. So there's there's somebody, his name is Colby Kay, and I don't know if he's reached out to you or not, but he puts on... So again, I'm really into going to events and learning from people. And so this summer, I'll be attending Meltdown in the Desert, which I attended last summer and got to meet some fantastic people. And I'm going this summer and I'm actually bringing my teenagers. <laughs> so he is has expressed interest in some of... I'm, I'm going to be talking about it with some of the folks there as well, because I think for me, I'd like to spread the awareness of what you're doing and what I'm doing and, you know, see if we can grow this. Um, I think it'd be great. So, you know, if you're interested in Meltdown, go to meltdownevent.com and, you know, you can check out this event, meet some really great people. And I'm going to, you know, talk to them about this program as well. Yeah, we're uh, certainly, as I mentioned, we just started in January. So we're, we're off the ground and we are flying, but we have not yet hit cruising altitude, right? So if there's folks out there that want to get involved, please go to the website. And also if you're a corporation out there and you want to sponsor this program, we would love and we will need the help as we continue to grow to bring on resources to support the veterans yeah. and the mentors. Uh, so please reach out to us and, and we can find a way to get you involved as a corporate partner with us as well. So that's it for the show today. I just want to give everybody a reminder that we are live the first and third Thursday each month. Our next show will be June 7th. Uh, and we have upcoming guests over the next few months from Talia Software, USAA, Avnet, TSIS, and many other great local organizations. So stay tuned to listen to those discussions. I want to thank our sponsor today, the PMO Squad. They're 100% project management focused 100% of the time, providing leadership to set up project management best practices, PMOs, project management training, PM software selection and support, and of course, project managers to run your key strategic initiatives. So that's it for now. Office hours are officially closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Mm-hmm.